0: Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Joining us from Only Endurance is our new friend Tim. Tim, first off, how are you?
1: Yeah, doing good, thank you. Yeah, it's uh I can't t- to start off I can't believe it's twenty twenty three already. I don't know if it's just a sign of agreed getting old, but I still feel like it's twenty twelve, so I'm a bit confused as to why I'm having to write twenty twenty three. But yeah, doing really good i'm really excited to a be on the podcast to begin with as well it's great to be joining you guys thanks for having me on and yeah looking forward to an exciting season of motorsport ahead
2: frenchy how are you doing well um they're currently drilling on the front steps outside my house so hopefully that doesn't come through in the podcast i thought they would take the day off today but apparently not uh so we're just gonna roll with it awesome
0: well, you know that's that happens. I'm sure at some point the dog will be making noise in the background here because he's been like a maniac today. But anyway, we're gonna talk some WEC today. We'll we'll switch it up slightly since Frenchie and I are doing a lot of IMSA stuff this year. Figured kind of like let's let's dive all in on it. And I have to admit, I don't really know all that much about it. I haven't watched too much over the years, other than you know like the big Le Mans every year. But I don't know where it starts. So tim you're you're more of the expert than than either of us so what makes wec so special year after year
1: i think the big thing for me is that uh as with endurance racing and sports cars around the world the entry lists are just getting more and more impressive as time goes on obviously the the attraction for the world endurance championship is that it is a, an FIA championship. You know, it's amongst Formula One, WRC, Formula E is considered. You know, the pinnacle. Okay, up for debate as to which. You know, which championship is the pinnacle? Happy to have that chat, and you know, it can go either way. Yeah. But um, the WC is just a, a, an incredible championship. Entry lists are amazing races are proper endurance races there's always that feeling of needing to slog it out and get to the end in every single round and it's just where all the good stories and all the good parts of uh of endurance and sports car racing come together um it has i think a, a reputation for maybe not being as exciting in the last few years but coming into 2023 as we all know uh new era of cars etc are really just starting to build up and it's almost feels like a
2: rebirth of the series this year I guess let me just ask for our listeners of when did you first get into endurance racing and particularly WEC or WEC
1: yeah so I uh like most sport fans got into racing through Formula One through a you know a family member that watches F1 and that's how I started getting into it and then I remember playing Gran Turismo 4 on my PlayStation 2, and I had, uh, I just started going after all the sports cars there. You know, there was some, uh, there was like the Mercedes CLKs in there and some some proper old school kind of GT1. I think there's the Lister Storm as well, which I remember loving. And um, I just started to get interested in in the the sports car side of things through there. A friend and, and I, Um, I remember after school, we went and watched, uh, I stayed around his house and we watched Le Mans in 2011. So that was the first time I watched Le Mans. I was probably 13 or 14. Um, And then, yeah, since then, I've got progressively more and more into it. And it's kind of in my rankings, it's overtaken Formula One and been the the series that I'm most, most interested in. And then, yes, I'd say since probably 2014, 15, when lmp1 hybrid really kicked off and porsche audi and toyota were slogging it out in the in the top top class there that's when i really kind of committed and and fell in love properly hard with uh, with le mans and, and endurance racing definitely
0: so on that note you run let's say only endurance how did that start and you know what else other than wc is on there and and uh you know tell us about that adventure
1: yeah sure so uh i was at university and like probably a lot of people who are at uni don't really know what they're going to go on to do next um just kind of trying to find your way in the world suddenly you're given a lot of adult responsibilities and you're not really sure what to do so um i started trying to work out where i could see myself and what it was i a was passionate about but b that i could maybe start a career in and make you know make my own in the future um I set up the page under a different name and was just running it kind of posting cool images and covering all different kinds of racing on there then towards end of 2019 early 2020 i changed the name to the racing blog and uh, that's when things really kicked off i focused basically on uh, endurance racing but predominantly wec and imsa Um, those you know kind of putting those two forward those championships forward as the the top of sports car racing and basically covering the stories the news the rumors the uh, you know driver transfers new teams new cars cool moments kind of general appreciation for those kind of two series Um, then towards the end of last year I thought you know what time for a bit of a rebrand start of something new like as has been mentioned a million times probably need a buzzer for people saying new era of sports cars you need you need a jingle (laughs) to play every time someone says that but I thought you know why not let's go for a new look this this time and, and start something fresh and so uh yeah predominantly an Instagram and Twitter platform um like I say covering WEC and IMSA but I'm expanding this year to uh the European Le Mans series as well and the GT World Challenge Endurance which is obviously the the big kind of GT3 series um and and yes some of the blue ribbon events like the Spa 24 hours the Nürburgring 24 um, hopefully becoming a bit of a go-to place for for people on on social media when looking for for endurance racing
2: so thinking about like like you said this new generation or new era right that's kind of harking back to that i don't know i guess everyone or for me I'm a big classic motorsports fan so I always go and down the the rabbit hole of watching, you know, old GTP cars yeah. and you know just seeing the the what I think is the heyday of like the eighties when the turbos were out of control. Um, do you think we're gonna see basically the closest racing that we've had since that, or maybe would you compare this era to maybe just a step on from the LMP1 that we've seen? Yeah, uh, you know, the heyday in the mid two thousands.
1: Yeah, I think that's there. a really interesting comparison, you know, because people have been heralding this as like the new golden era um i think that they're different in their own way and we'll always look back at them and being quite unique and having their own uh trip hazards and problems but also you know their own kind of beauties and and individualities i think the current is it is easy to just say like this is uh the new group c or you know this is the new gtp i think it's quite easy to just lump that that burden on it i think the the best approach is to just take it as it is you know it's a whole new formula of car um okay dpi 2.0 is how it's been referred to you know it's a development of that if it, talking about lmdh gtp but you know it's it's its own new chapter and i think we've got to give it the respect and, and allow it to, to write its own story really um obviously the the names that are joining the the cars we know are, are just really cool um and to go from or i would say has been a difficult period you know since audi and porsche left lmp1 in wec you know the the toyota years if you want to call them yeah. you know 18 19 20 and then yeah into 21 and 22 it's kind of i feel like wec fans we've all been looking forward to this um and so I wouldn't say it was a continuation of LMP1 because I really think that was, you know, again that was a chapter that's kind of closed now and, and, and gone on, and we're we're all kind of eager to kick off something new.
0: So on that note, there's obviously a bunch of new teams and whatnot, especially in the hypercar class this year. Mm. So for those who are going, okay, well, who are the new teams or new cars? What's out there this year?
1: Yeah, so. Uh, if you watch IMSA or you've watched WEC, or in fact you're a new fan completely, there's a whole new regulation of cars, those being uh, the LMDHs and the Le Mans hypercars. And they come together to race in the hypercar class in WEC. They're two answers to the same question, if you like. Um, The new cars that are joining this year are obviously the Cadillac, the VLMDH that we'll see in IMSA, porsche's 963 lmdh uh, which will be in the hands of both the the factory team and two customers as well so jota sport and proton competition might be two names you've heard uh from jota have run lmp2 cars and proton have run gte am but also they've run gt3s in in america um then uh so I think that's it in terms of LMDH cars. But then we've got yeah. the new Ferrari coming online, the 499P. So that's Ferrari's first factory top class effort in your world level sports car championships for 50 years. So, you know, it's a real big, uh, you know, new chapter. It's a real big point for Ferrari to bring a, a factory car to uh you know the world sports car championship of, of of our era if you like um so that's a massive storyline you know ferrari big name like that committing quite a bit of budget and a new car to a championship uh but the cars that are already racing um we've got the uh, toyota gro 10 which is a hypercar uh that's been around since 2021 and that's more or less been the car to beat it's been with toyota but it hasn't had everything its own way you know it's had its own teething problems so toyota might may seem from the outside like this unbeatable force in wec but actually now with this car which hasn't had everything go its own way you know i think there is a chance that um you'll see that that's not quite the case anymore that toyota don't just win everything peugeot's 9x8 that's the bonkers hypercar that you know doesn't have a rear wing that uh you know, that's all over socials all the time because I love it. yeah. it's crazy, isn't it? And I think that's what's really cool about this whole new category is there are these different solutions, if you like, to, to the the problem. Um, Glickenhaus, obviously, the the, the American guys, uh, they're back again in 2023. So it's going to be cool to see that car, the SEG 007. Great sounding, great looking car. Um, and of course, the, the last one to add in is the... Uh, the Floyd Van Wall, uh, Vandervel. You might have seen all the confusion about Van branding rights, copyright issues, et cetera, et cetera. But they have got the tick, the the green light to go ahead for twenty twenty three. So we'll be seeing that that car um racing. So look, across, how many, you know, manufacturers have I just named? How many kind of, you know, new cars have just been named? This was just super exciting for for fans and for newbies as well, you know, if you're new to the sport, what a time to be to be getting excited about it and and, and tuning in.
2: So I guess just thinking about, we always hear this discussion of F1 being so expensive, right? And Mm. thinking about the, the technology being the, I guess the driver of F1, so to speak, or, you know, of development in F1. I don't know if this is really publicly out there or not, but what is the budget comparison for a WEC program? Because I assume it's, not necessarily cheap but obviously we're going to see really close racing and you know the height of technology for probably i would assume less than f1 you would one would think
1: yeah i think it's um it's a tricky one to put a number on exactly um i wouldn't be able to do that but yeah it's nowhere near the cost of f1 and um part of the reason i think we've seen the, the real interest is because of that, you know, because it's not going to take a massive dent into your annual budget to be able to to produce a race car and run it. Um, you know, these are big manufacturers that we're seeing, but the fact that we're seeing these privateer teams, if you like, you know, like Glickenhaus, like Vanwall, able to build a car themselves, you know, okay, yeah, there's, there's help potentially, or I know Glickenhaus had help from uh, Jost racing which people will know from like audi days and also from um you know just that they're, they're such a big name but the fact that they're able to build cars and race them in a world championship proves that money isn't everything in this sport it obviously goes a long way and obviously money is a massive part of it as it is part of every motorsport but the other thing as well particularly in the top class is that the it's a balance of performance category so It works the same way that GT3 racing does, you know, hence why you see a a V10 Audi and, you know, uh, a a V8 Aston Martin and Mercedes or whatever, you know, different formats of cars still able to compete level, you know, uh, different, completely different, you know, styles or philosophies can still race together on track. The top class in WEC now is also going to be VOP'd, so... You know, you get that. Uh, there's not the need to spend the money for performance. So in Formula One, it's, you know, spend, 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 because we need to be developing parts, keeping on top of the game, whatever. With the hypercars, whatever you do, you're going to get balanced against the other guys. So there's not that need to spend the money. And also there's, uh, you know, regulations, aerodynamic regulations, etc., that mean you don't need to spend all that money um and one big thing last point is that these new cars if we're talking about the hypercar class they are locked in via homologation so when the cars are made they have to submit this is the car this is the blueprints if you like and that's locked in for five years i believe so you don't need to spend that money on building a new car every year keeping on top of development race whatever you know you've got your your car, and you're not necessarily stuck with it, but that's your that's your ride for five years, basically.
0: So, thank you. That's right. Long answer. I'm Realized kind of, I said a lot there. Sorry. No, that's okay. that's okay. That makes long answers make me happy. <laughs> it's a lot less editing for me to do afterwards. <laughs> but you know, kind of on that note, and we've we've compared you know comparing a little bit kind of IMSA and, and WEC, but other than the hypercar, is there any changes to the other classes yeah. this year?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, um, so the other categories this year are LMP2 um, and GTE AM. So there's only one GT class this year. The the GTE Pro category is, is going away.
3: Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.
0: Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you.
1: The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, Um that basically just reduced in numbers from its peak in 2018-19 when there was, you know, Aston Martin, Ford, BMW, Porsche, Ferrari, it just started to whittle away as those programs shut down. Um and after last year, where there were five cars all season, and with the dawn, you know, of, of Ferrari say or Porsche joining the hypercar class, it was deemed that it was time to to put that to bed. Um so two categories. LMP2 and GTE am the what's interesting here though is that in it, there's no regulation changes as such there's no you know big changes to the cars etc but it's the last year for GTE machinery so 2023 GTE am that's the last time we'll see like the 911 RSR uh, the 488 evo GTE the Aston Martin Vantage GTE this will be the last year before, in 2024, we swap to a GT3 formula. So, there aren't necessarily massive changes at the moment in those other categories, but changes on the horizon. And, and obviously, that GT Pro being dropped is is something to be aware of when you show up and think that where's where's that fourth class gone? But it's um, yeah, unfortunately, we've lost it. But
2: um I think GTM will make up for it. Awesome. So, I've been seeing some of the, the driver announcements, which have been pretty incredible, I think, for the just full time WEC programs. Can you maybe highlight some of the cool ones? Like, I saw Jacques Villeneuve is going to be driving for that yeah. uh, Van Wall program. Uh, yeah. What did, we, uh, what did I see? Valentino Rossi is going to be uh, well, like, he, testing a BMW LMDH yep, car?
1: Yeah. So, he's going to be testing a car. Um, and nothing confirmed yet about if he'll ever drive one in, in a race, but I think he's definitely interested. Uh, with WRT running BMW's entry next year, 24 BMW will be in WEC. Um, yeah, the driver announcements have been big, obviously. we And because they're factory efforts, you know, they're the factory Porsche team, factory Ferrari team, you know, they're going to go with the big guns. And what's interesting as well is that a lot of these names are called up from GT Racing. So if you look through the, the entry list and you look at the porsche team for example michael christensen frederick mcvecki kevin estra lawrence vantor they've all made their name in gt cars uh the ferrari lineup for example is predominantly their gte pro you know talent that they've then called up to the big team antonio fuoco miguel Molina, james collado alessandro pierre you know these are names that people will know from gt competition um so yeah super interesting to see these guys getting the drive the ones like i said that you ask you know what the ones to look out for be interested in i think those gt drivers how they adapt um and that's something that we're seeing across imsa as well you know in the gtp class bmw for example you know a lot of those drivers are are gt guys going to be really interesting to see how they adapt but also it's just across the board really exciting you know there's just such it's it's star-studded really um like you say Jack Villeneuve driving the van car. It's going to be interesting to see how he gets on debuting in WEC you know this is first time in the series um he has raced at Le Mans before but first time in a little while um so a big name to keep an eye on I'm not sure how it will go for him but we'll be I'm sure we'll all be keeping tabs um Still a few spots as well up for grabs in, in the customer teams as well. But again, that's another interesting little part of this new category is that it's not only factory teams. You know, you can buy a car from Porsche. Uh you know, buy a car from uh you know, in the future when we'll have BMW say or like, you know, you have with Acura, Acura with Wayne Taylor and, and Maya Shank, it kind of semi customer teams, you get Opportunities for different lineups and different drivers in there. So, at the moment, we're we're going to have two um, customer Porsche teams in WEC this year, joining probably at the Spa Six Hours, so the last race before Le Mans. Those being Jota Sport and Proton Competition, and it'd be interesting to see who they, you know, decide to sign and, and put in there because they might be factory guys left over that get you know sent their way to help them get up to speed with the car, or it could be completely left field picks that really bring you know, something quite interesting. Um, if I had to pick one driver to say that I'm going to have my eyes on, uh, I'm really keen to see how uh, Kevin Estra, who's, I'm a big fan of Kevin, think he's a great, great driver, but I've only known him racing GT machinery. That's all he's ever done. Interested to see how a big talent like him gets on in a, in a prototype and the guy doing the lapping, not doing, you know, letting people through or, you know, trying to judge the traffic from his mirrors, basically.
0: So this, I don't want to say off-topic, but kind of changing from drivers and cars, the calendar this year you know starts in just about I think two months from tomorrow is round one at Sebring. But obviously, every every track I feel like on the on the WEC champ, championship calendar is kind of epic. So other than Le Mans, which is obviously like when we talk about the indy 500 is you know everybody's favorite Mm. race what is your kind of favorite race to watch outside of
1: the obvious great question uh we've got a short list to pick from unfortunately which is something i hope that changes in the future (laughs) um i i absolutely love sebring uh some of my earliest memories of watching endurance racing are watching you know, American Le Mans series at Sebring or, you know, the early days of the United Sports Car Championship um, at Sebring. I loved that race, the 12 hours. And so I really like seeing the wet cars there. I think it's really interesting to watch that and compare times across the board. And I just think it's such a unique venue that we just don't just don't have anymore. Um, yeah it kind of still baffles me that we're allowed to race, you know, like these modern cars there. And I love it. And it's just so, so <laughs> cool to watch. Uh, so I'd say between Sebring and Spa. I think Spa is just a great circuit for racing. Um, the weather, obviously, is always a factor there. And I think it just lends itself to endurance racing and, and, and sports cars as well. Um, plus, who's going to say no to watching 38 cars go up Eau Rouge and Radion? you know nose to tail on on lap one and then all the sketchy moments that come with it in traffic through there so yeah Sebring and Spa I'd say are the two you asked me to pick one I just can't because I just love them both
0: I don't I think I think any racing fan or media person or podcaster can never actually just pick one <laughs> anything, so I I don't blame you at
2: all yeah it's difficult with a short we list seen- as well yeah yeah. We've seen some issues with some of the IMSA entries in testing uh, that are kind of getting worried about reliability going into Daytona. Have we? Have you guys seen any of the same issues over on the, the WEC side with testing? Is there a little bit of trepidation going into the season?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's also important to remember that... Uh, so... Uh, LMDH or GTP is coming online in 2023, but Le Mans hypercar, the LMH cars, have been racing since 21. So we've already mm. had two seasons with you know, some of these cars, predominantly the, the Toyota and the Glickenhaus. Um, but Peugeot also joined in the second half of 2022. So we have seen the hypercars racing already. And yet uh, they've had a bit of a bumpy start to this kind of new era. Um, Peugeot definitely haven't got on top of a lot of their uh, reliability concerns that have carried through the last three races of the, the WEC season last year. Um, their pace has improved, but there's just been issues that have seen them spend time in the pit lane. And as we know, the idea is you just keep pounding round, right? You don't want to spend that time in pit lane. That's something that's really hurt Peugeot. Toyota had to really hustle to win the first Le Mans of the hypercar era. So in 2021, they had a real issue with fuel pickup um, that was shortening their stints from 11 laps down to like six or seven at times because they were having a proper issue with it. The drivers managing to work out a way to basically reset a sensor every time they were downshifting. So they were downshifting and spamming buttons on the wheel to basically trick the engine into thinking it was okay you know and that, that's toyota right and that's the guys that everyone thinks are invincible and and just just go and stroll it every time and and win easy um so yeah there there have been those issues and it's going to be really interesting to see if the problems that we might see at daytona in a couple of weeks time whether those are fixed you know if cadillac and porsche are able to fix those by race 1 for WEC in in Sebring or whether they're still issues that are bubbling under the surface. Um, So, yeah, those, like you say, those those reliability concerns we've been seeing actually play out for two years now. You know, we've been seeing these, these teething problems with new cars actually live at the racetrack. And maybe the only thing is that jeopardy with a smaller class, you know, there's been less cars has allowed that to play out quite safely. Whereas now, you know, if you're Ferrari, you're Porsche, you're whoever, and you're leading a race, you know, you're leading against all these other big guns and something goes wrong, you're not able to just say, oh, you know, the car's new, we're still developing. It's going to feel like you've lost a chance to beat probably, the you know, the most prolific sports car uh, competition in, in years, in decades almost. So, yeah, those concerns we've seen. They've been happening, but I think now, yeah, that extra bit of jeopardy is is, is going to be there this year.
0: All right, let's see here. I lost my question list because my computer is going haywire right <laughs> now. So if you are going to have a crystal ball here and you're going to look at the mm. season at the end of the year, you're going to pick let's just stick with the the top class because that's obviously the one people pay the most attention to who is the championship winning car at the end of the year or team whatever whatever is easier to answer without actually having seen yeah any action yet this year the thing is is this is going
1: to be this is going to be me going on public record saying this so if if i get it wrong people are going to go this guy knows nothing (laughs) i can't believe well
0: can't believe don't worry we we make predictions every year and last year i actually wasn't too bad right but for the previous four or five years before that i was notoriously awful so okay and people still listen so it's it's okay if your predictions are incorrect so
1: if i say something if i make a prediction now and mike you nod with it i'm probably going to get it wrong but if i say it and frenchie nods along then the chances are i'm going to be better i'm going to be more on the money right or I don't like your thinking, but you're probably 100% <laughs> accurate.
0: <laughs> that, implies that, so, so yes, uh, that
2: implies
1: that Frenchy gets yes. it right anyway. So Yes. Um, I think that if I'm going to go neck on the line, the championship winning car is going to be the number six Porsche Penske Motorsport 963. Kevin Estra, Andre Lotter, and Lawrence Van Tour. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say that it's talent in there, but that's pretty much the, I think the strongest lineup in an exceptionally strong field. I don't think Porsche are going to win every race. I think they might win one or two, um, but I think if I had to put my neck on the line and say that's the car that I think will be the champion come come the end of the season, I think it will be them. Um, other classes, it gets tricky because you know P two as well. Like the same machinery, level of competition is so high there as well. Uh, we're seeing drivers move on to, you know, other other championships, etc. And again, GTM so close; it's quite difficult to call. Um, but you know what? For bonuses, I'll give you my predictions in those as well. I think the yeah. uh, I think that one of the United Autosports cars is going to win in LMP2. I would probably go with the 22 car, Felipe Albuquerque. Ben Hanley and Philip Hansen, I think, is going to be the the three drivers there. And in um, GTM, I probably I'm going to go with Corvette because I want to see Ben Keating winning winning a Corvette. So um, I dig it. Going to go with those guys.
2: I guess just for some of the maybe newer listeners who are looking to get into WEC, this season or you know kind of start with this new rules package basically or you know that at least for our u.s listeners kind of a fresh start um what's the best way to watch WEC races i know they have a streaming package but in the u.s do you uh, maybe that's not the best question to ask you if you're not in the u.s but uh is that that's the best package to watch is just kind of buy their subscription it it is um
1: i believe in the us it's also shown on motor trend i don't know how accessible that is for people that's probably another paid service Um, but i think that yeah i think if you're gonna commit and you're gonna you know you want to invest then yeah i mean it's really well priced um I, i get a lot of questions from people who say how do I watch it? I don't want to buy the stream, you know, I don't want to pay for the the WEC, um, you know, the the app access, etc. I would say to that, I mean for me in the UK, for a whole year it cost me the price of two train tickets to work, you know. So you know, my daily commute, it cost me two days of commuting to to get however many hours of racing. Um, I think people think it's like a subscription, like you pay fifteen pound a month or fifteen dollars a month or whatever every month. It's not that at all. You buy all the all the races in one package. It's one payment. It's um, not too bad. So yeah, I think I, I do understand. You know, everyone's in a different position to pay, etc. But I do think it's really well priced for what it is, and it's not like Formula One or other, you know, motorsport series that can be quite. Um, quite expensive and quite costly to follow in the uk formula one is behind a paywall you know if you want to watch it you've got to have sky and uh or you watch highlights later on on free tv but everyone wants to watch it live right so in comparison it's far more accessible appreciate the concerns about it um but yeah that that is just ultimately the best way to watch it as opposed to finding some dodgy stream on twitch that lets you down five minutes in (laughs) <laughs> yeah and the motor trend
0: subscription i had for a short time last year i think to watch lamont and it wasn't that expensive i think it was like four bucks a month or something okay. so it's it's not bad it's easy i'll if i can remember i'll post the link on our twitter this week or when the season starts but i'll wrap it up with one more question i don't know if Frenchie has anything else but you know for those who you know are interested in learning more after listening you know where can they find your work you know website twitter or whatever else uh, you know whatever else you want to plug i'll i'll leave it up to you thank you
1: uh yeah no i think best place to get me is on instagram so that's at only endurance um and on twitter as well with the same tag i'm posting there every day um trying to keep up with the news etc post at least nice. just general appreciation for the sport as well you know cool car images or reels or whatever it is um likewise i'm always there answering comments answering dms i think another thing is that people can feel like most sport is quite gatekeepy like there's quite a gatekeepers kind of mantra about sport and unfortunately that's something that seems to have evolved in formula one on social media not everyone but you know it's a, a massive issue but yes. yeah that That is definitely a whole other podcast for you guys to deal with. So I'm going to just, I'm going to shove that issue over to you. and uh... Uh, We might have to have <laughs> yeah. you back on and talk about that again. <laughs> we, we talk about that pretty regularly. Right, okay. Um, yeah. I think with endurance racing, uh, there's a whole different mentality to it. You know, like the Formula One is the NFL or the Premier League of motorsports, right? And it's definitely the easiest to just get on board with with endurance racing it's a bit more there's a lot of jargon a lot of terms and a lot to understand and you're often there because actually you just you just really like racing and you want to watch racing and it's almost you know drama free in comparison but people there's such a sense of community people always want to answer questions help you out point you in the right direction and I like to think as well that on my page there's a real bunch of committed people that are happy to It's only me running it, but the people that are there part of the community will often reply to comments themselves and and help people out. So if you're new and you really don't know what you're getting yourself into and you just want a hand to to get up to speed, you want to start following along, then yeah, drop me a follow, drop me a DM, any questions, any time of day or night. If I'm up in the night to get a glass of water, I'll probably reply to them anyway, so uh, feel free. But don't hit me up with the three AM, the three AM what you doing message, all right, on Instagram. That's that doesn't get me. Okay. That that that, that won't work. <laughs> That's gonna wait till the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if someone comes in going, Oh Tim, can you explain the who's got which chassis supply for LMDH? three AM, I'm like, Yes. You get you get ten minutes of my time.
2: I dig it. <laughs> Frenchy, any last questions? No, I just want to thank you for coming on, Tim. I really appreciate this. We'll have to have you back on maybe in advance of uh, Sebring 1000 or you know, just talk about Daytona or something like that uh, yeah, in the near yeah. future. It'd be great to
1: chat. Yeah, thank you very much, guys, for having me on. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, man.
0: Thank you very much. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But
1: they're
3: actually real.
1: Which is why we've made a podcast about them.
2: You see, they've all got a
1: story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes.
2: Justin Fashion You.
1: We're writing episodes about all of
3: them.
2: And sadly, many more.
3: Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.